is a box, a musical box, wound up and ready to play. Can you guess what is in it today? And welcome. This is Box 39 with me, Bill Lawrence, coming live from Studio One on the fourth floor of Cone Radio Towers on 106.6 FM. And I'm joined by Adrian Cohen in the Musicology Library down in Studio Four on the first floor, and by my guest presenter this week, Izzy Lawrence, a confirmed cat lover. And that's very important because this show is all about that most familiar creature, the cat. Izzy is a financial journalist, currently living in Brighton, from where she works primarily for MoneyMagpie.com as content editor and resident Gen Z, creating graphics and growing engagement. She covers it all, and she makes regular appearances on radio and TV programs discussing financial events and issues and campaigns. Izzy grew up in Colchester, here in North East Essex, before moving to Brighton as a student, and then she stayed there. And who can blame her? But due to the advantages of being able to work online and from any location, she often finds time to revisit East Anglia for some well-earned R&R and to visit her family, including me, her old dad. I remember a remarkable person who used to work here called Mike Fresh. You may remember him for his work on the early satellite TV shopping channels. Mike started his career here at Colm Radio as an intern, ensuring important senior radio presenters like me had good coffee and better biscuits whilst on the airways live, and then providing a small freshly laundered towel for me for an immediate post-show rubdown and something to spray on to mask any inadvertent heavy sweating during particularly tricky banter over the previous three hours. Something lemony, not too musky, something that said powerful senior presenter, approachable yet with great talent, someone at the top, that sort of thing. They may have been little things on their own but push them all together and they said that Mike Fresh was someone really going places and it was clear that unless things change there was going to have to be another senior radio presenter's chair up here in Studio One. On a remarkable morning as I was doing my vocal warm-up exercises before an important Friday morning traffic announcement on my old show North Essex Fun Time, Mike turned to me and said, Mr Lawrence sir, are you aware that if you blow up a cat's nose, its eyes will water? And I paused, because this was so true, and on so many levels, coming from someone so young. Wisdom like that could only mean a big career in on-air banter was fast approaching. Well, that afternoon, I called my old friend Marcus Waring, who I'd known at Radio Stanway FM, and who had been just appointed as head of talent at the new satellite-based Joy TV. 
You'll remember they had those revolutionary aerials that slotted right over your concealed alleyway guttering, and it was Marcus who created their award-winning slogan. We give you total joy, discreetly and neatly, up your back passage. We met for a free business lunch at Big Dave's Burger Van in Stanway, right by the golf course there. He had the big greaser with double cheese, and I have Dave's Mexican mince balls with homemade Suffolk-style chilli sauce. Before we'd even scraped away the morsels of fatty gristle lodged between our teeth, he had agreed to make a written offer to Mike Fresh for a role as part-time midnight to 4am weekend presenter on Joy's TV shopping channel and part-time aerial installer for the South Clacton, Jaywick and St. Osef areas. I returned to Wivenhoe. I spoke directly to Lord David Price, CEO of our parent owner, Global Digital Retail here at Calm Radio, confirming that Mike had urged me to share his habit of animal cruelty on business premises. And it had also been heard by my producer, Lenny Gaylord, over the studio talkback facility, which I had professionally opened. And Mike Fresh was gone by the end of the week. And his senior presenter's chair... Well, it never materialised next to mine. My senior radio presenter's chair remained the only one in Studio One. Just mine. With my name in gold buttons across its back. So, now it's time to open Box 39 once more as we investigate cats. The Indians send signals from the rocks above the pass. The cowboys take position in the bushes and the grass. The score is with the corporal, she is tied against the tree. She doesn't mind the language, it's the beating she don't need. She lets loose all the horses when the corporal is asleep. And he wakes to find the fires dead and arrows in his axe. And Davy Crockett rides around and says it's cool for cats, it's cool for cats. The swing is doing 90 cause they've got nowhere to go They get a gang of villains in a shed up at Heathrow They're counting out the fivers when the handcuffs lock again In and out I once were with the numbers on their names It's funny how the missus always looks a bleeding sane And meanwhile at the station there's a couple of likely lads Who swear like as your father and they're very cool for cats, they're cool for cats A PhD student at Price University is currently completing a dissertation on Leonardo da Vinci's cat, who was called Luigi. Although none of da Vinci's paintings depicts the cat, this feline companion appears to have played an important role in the famous polymath's various works. It was Luigi the cat, for example, who was slated to ride in da Vinci's never-completed medieval helicopter. Perhaps the cat's most lasting impact was on one of da Vinci's most famous paintings. The supple cat used to spend long afternoons in the studio, sitting on a stool next to his master at work, slinkily licking his catnip-sprinkled testicles for hour after hour. Da Vinci was painting the notoriously prudish Lisa del Giacondo at the time, when he cracked the medieval precursor of Jasper Carrot's 20th century joke by looking at Luigi, licking his testicles, and saying, I wish I could do that. To which he added, if I give him a sardine, maybe he'll let me. This explains Mona Lisa's enigmatically reluctant smile, depicted by da Vinci's masterpiece. This is Box 39, with special guest Isabella Lawrence. And this week's show is all about cats. The true masters of the universe. (laughs) 
You are listening to Box 39, magazine of music, community, humour and chat, live from Studio One at Cone Radio Towers, 106.6 FM, Cone Radio. I'm Izzy and I'm joined by Bill Lawrence here and our musicology guru, Adrian Cohen, down in the music library. And this is our show all about those furry animals that have a long tail, sharp claws and are often kept as pets, the cat. Now we are all so familiar with cats. They're important to our culture. They've been written about for centuries and a world without them would be impossible to imagine. So Izzy, let's begin by considering some very basic facts about cats. Now, cats is actually a whole family of mammals, including lions, tigers, you've got your leopards, your cheetahs, and many more. And we'll talk about those. But to begin with, let's concentrate on the domesticated feline. So the domesticated feline is the cat that we would keep in our homes, the cats, I suppose, we are most familiar with. It really is the most popular pet in the world, apparently. Yes, you're right. There's over 500 million domestic cats in the world. That is 500 million of them. That is about one for every 14 people on the whole of Earth. That's a lot. Now, cats and humans have been associated for nearly 10,000 years, and they conserve energy by sleeping for an average of 13 to 14 hours a day. So they have learned that from teenagers, that they sleep for about 14 hours a day. So imagine a cat sleeps like your average teenager. However, unlike teenagers, uh, they they hunt small animals such as mice and rats. Um, and and it, funny enough, a group of cats is called a clouder. Uh, a male cat is a tom. A female cat is a molly or a queen. And of course, young cats are kittens. Your average domestic cat will weigh about four kilos. The heaviest domestic cat on record is a staggering 21.297 kilos. That's 46 pounds, 15 ounces that is a couple of newborn babies right there actually that's about four newborn babies that's a lot now cats they're lethal they are lethal because they hunt and they hunt to kill if you've ever watched a cat hunting you'll see that they uh, when as they walk their back paws step almost exactly in the same place as the front paws did beforehand and the reason for doing that is it's to keep noise to a minimum and limit their visible tracks. So very, very cunning lethal hunters. What helps them be great hunters too is their night vision. Of course, a lot of cats love going out at night. They chase the moths and the mice um, and they they see light levels six times lower than a human needs to see so they can really catch all those midges. Yeah, when you were a little girl, we had a cat used to go hunting out in the garden at night and it used to chase frogs at night and the frogs used to scream but they was very good at catching them at night and they've also got really really good hearing you may have noticed with the cats their ears move all over they can move their ears in all directions can't they to sort of soak up the sound and not only can they see well not only can they hear well they have got a really powerful sense of smell Older cats can also act quite aggressively towards kittens. I suppose it's sort of like the dynamic of an older brother fighting with the younger brother. I think, you know, perhaps kittens can be quite irritating to the older cats that just want to sit and relax. I had two feral cats, you might remember, Izzy, uh, which, which lived with me. Well, they didn't live with me. They were domesticated cats, but they refused to live indoors. They live outdoors and they avoid human contact, apart from, obviously, at feeding time. Uh, so a feral cat won't allow itself to be handled, won't allow itself to be touched, usually try and remain hidden from humans, behave like a wild cat, and are often seen really as a bit of a pest and a bit of a threat to native animals because they go hunting those.
According to a study by academics at the Department of Eclecticism at Price University, cats never meow if not in the presence of human beings. It has been shown that while the feline creatures use all manner of noises, such as chirps, trills, chirrups, hisses, howls, screeches, growls, snarls and caterwauls, not to mention purring and spitting, they only meow if there are humans present or within earshot and never to each other. The £6 million study, mostly paid to Lord David Price for his endorsement of the research, appeared to have hit a major snag when the central hypothesis that cats only meow if they are communicating with humans, or they know that humans can hear, seemed to have been debunked by many thousands of hours of video and audio tapes showing cats meowing at each other despite no humans being present. However, Lord David told the research team to postulate that cats meow if they know they are being recorded or filmed by humans. Another academic success. I love to polish my box, my special box, my box 39. And welcome back to Box 39. Here we are, live from Studio One, Cold Radio Towers, and I'm Bill Lawrence. And I'm joined by Izzy Lawrence here, and down there you've just heard from our musicology guru, Adrian Cohen, the man with the uh, junior presenter's chair, hasn't quite passed the same exams as me to be in the senior presenter's chair. Not that uh, I ever think he will be able to do it, but I'm not fussed, I'm not worried, I'm not bothered by this. Uh, anyway, he's down in the music library. Now, cats. Cats love them or hate them. They are absolutely everywhere, including, of course, the Colne Radio Cat, which is a huge black cat called Marmite, who sleeps in the reception area. He travels in the lift. He's got a litter tray right in the corner of Studio One here, which, to be honest, I seem to be the only one who ever empties it. And like the food Marmite, he is unloved and yet loved in equal measure. Well, to be honest, he is unloved by me. Everyone else seems to adore him, but when I try to move him from sleeping on my senior presenter's chair, he bites my hand. We now communicate by long, hard stares only. So let's examine that special relationships cats have with humans. It's described as mutualistic, where both species can benefit, or sometimes commensal, where one species benefits without any harm or negative effect on the other. And cats really are common pets everywhere. Every single continent of the world that's permanently inhabited by humans and the global population, Izzy, of cats is around, as we mentioned before, half a billion. And in the UK alone, there are around 11 million cats in 26% of all households. So over a quarter of households have a cat, which actually is not that hard to believe. No, and I live in a very built-up area, and I have to say it, uh, the gardens are a bit small for dogs. And most people in the area I live go to work, and I would say almost every house has a cat. I'm quite rare not to have a cat. The two feral cats I looked after uh, turned their newly freshly licked bottoms on me and disappeared after about seven years. Anyway, in 1985, for the first time, just, what's that, 40 years ago, more cats than dogs were kept as pets. Up until then, it was more dogs than cats. Now, you think, why is that? How does that change? And it's quite remarkable because of the development of cat litter. In the mid-20th century, they developed a cat litter, which, of course, eliminates the rather, rather unpleasant and powerful smell of cat wee. And therefore, more people are prepared to have them in their houses. And now more cats than dogs are kept as pets. And although cat ownership is commonly associated with women, 
2017 Gallup poll reported men and women in the UK are equally likely to own a cat. And of those, less than 10% of the cat population are purebreds. So we've got this kind of stereotype of a crazy cat lady. Um, although there's actually no evidence that, that older women are likely to hoard cats than any other population of people. Yeah, I wonder whether that goes a long, long way back to the medieval times. And we'll talk about this later in the show, the association of cats with strange women and witches and stuff like that. Cat fur. Well, I have to say, this is some rather grim news for you cat lovers out there. Cat fur is used in coats, uh, gloves, hats, shoes even, blankets and stuffed toys. Now, thankfully... Uh, outlawed in America, outlawed here in Europe, but there are parts of the world, I'm afraid, where you can buy cat fur clothes and things. Yeah, which is, you know, unfortunate. Um, and cats, as with the traditional farm cat and the ship's cat, they're actually used for pest control a lot of the time. Um, rat, mouse infestations. I know that definitely I've met people before that um, have lived on farms and they've used their cats to, you know, really control that population. So, you know, it's fun for them and great for the farmers. Our cats no longer have to rely on their hunting capabilities as most are well fed at home. So why do they continue to hunt? To help find out, the team ask the cat owners to take photos of any prey their cats bring home. I could have things in three or four times a week in the summer or the spring. He's brought in a seagull, a rat, a vole, um, mice, frogs, because there's a pond next door, a crow. What about the hamster? Well, yeah, they, they've <laughs> tried to hunt the hamster several times and there have been three near-death experiences with, with the hamster in cat-related activities. Yeah, you would have thought that had died out and there'd be a more efficient modern way of control, but no, uh, cats are still the most efficient way of um, uh, you know being micers, good micers, good catchers of, of rats and mice and other, uh, other things like that. There's uh, domesticated varieties and there are natural breeds. So there are different breeds. About 41 breeds of domestic cats that we know of. And 16 of those are ones which um, existed before the breeding of pedigree cats. So there's about uh, well, 41 minus 16, which is 31. 25, about 25 breeds that have been developed only in the last 50 years um, for pedigree shows. Yeah, and cats, as with many other animals, have great effects on human health. Now, interactions with cats have been shown to decrease blood pressure, provide emotional support, of course, and dispel feelings of depression, anxiety, loneliness, and they provide great companionship and friendship and leave you in a really good mood. In 1968, as a protest against the University of Essex's reactionary campus policies, the undergraduate population elected a cat called Dennis as its student union president. Though at first this was seen as a shot in the foot by a feckless, impudent and predominantly Dada-esque student body, undermining its own credibility and playing right into the university's parsimonious top-down regressive hands, 
A group of students rallied around and drew small p political power from Dennis the Cat's duly elected status and the performative examples he provided to student activists, despite wandering aimlessly around the campus, constantly napping, scratching the seats and chairs in the lecturer's senior common room, and fertilizing the soil in the flower beds freely with his poo. Within six months, the student body had secured the right to install organic toilets, to sleep anywhere on the campus, and to steal food from the canteen. Plus, they'd mounted a campaign to destroy the seats of academic power called the Claws of Dennis. This is Box 39, with our special guest Isabel Lawrence. And this week's show is all about cats, those furry, funny, and friendly felines. You're listening to Box 39. I'm Izzy, and I'm joined by Bill Lawrence here, and our musicology guru, Adrian Cohen, down in the music library. And this is our show all about cats those domesticated furry animals that purr, preen and play havoc with your Christmas tree decorations. Well, they certainly do, Easy. They certainly do. And the first domesticated cats, well, it used to be believed that the Egyptians domesticated cats about 4,000 years ago. And DNA evidence used to back that up. You say, well, the modern-day domestic cats share a common ancestor with the African wild cat and Egypt's top of Africa. But about 15 years ago, a nine and a half thousand, that's twice as old, Neolithic grave in Cyprus was excavated and revealed the remains of a cat buried with a human. Yeah, and other studies have actually shown that domestication of cats could have started as much as 12,000 years ago when agriculture boomed in the Middle East around Egypt and Syria. Now, this increased agriculture brought in more vermin and the cats then followed. The domestic cats were then brought to Europe about 3,000 years ago by those Greeks who were great traders all around the uh, Mediterranean and then they were brought to the Romans and the Romans again valued cats highly for this pest control bit of a common theme there and the Roman legions who then spread out through Europe would have certainly taken cats with them as they moved through modern day France and eventually here to Britain and the first cats were therefore brought to Britain by the first Romans yeah but The Romans unfortunately left Britain and they left many of the cats they owned behind. And the Vikings then invaded Britain about a thousand years ago and it was thought they took some of the domesticated cats back to Norway with them. So there we are. That's the spread of cats. They're now spread all over Europe, Northern Europe, Western Europe. And about 700 years ago, things then took a bit of an unfortunate turn for the cats in Britain. It was the Middle Ages and all of a sudden there was this suspicion being involved in the witchcraft which was rife at the time. So there was a massacre of cats across Europe with hundreds of thousands being slaughtered to try and, uh, you know, kill off the devilish witchcraft. However, by the 1500s, the cats had regained their popularity and new world traders and explorers left Britain and Spain during the 16 and 1700s, which led to the introduction of domestic cats in the US. But here there are cats ad infinitum, catty ornaments, kitty calendars, pussy pedestals and every feline accessory you could ever think about. The scene is at Bedford, the true mecca for cat lovers everywhere. This is Dorothy Silkstone's Cat's Accessories Shop. But don't put a leading question to the cats concerned and ask them if they like all this expensive attention. And if that's not enough, cat's dishcloth. If you've a cat-loving friend, you can send gift vouchers which will ensure anything you can think of, from cat's cradles to an ashtray or mantelpiece ornament, from a made-to-measure pullover for poor pussy, whose coat is so warm, to almost anything you could think of with a catty connotation. Twitch your whiskers and blink your unbelieving eyes and just watch, remembering the only other sufferer here could be the cat. The last time I was late 
a fireman had to climb out of my bedroom window and risk his life on a narrow ledge trying to grab hold of my pussy. <laughs> we all know lions, tigers and jaguars, but their popularity often overshadows a sort of diverse range of smaller felines living on our planet, often just known as wildcats. So we're going to look at this group uh, of wildcats, which can be found roaming wild across Europe, Africa, Asia, and both North and South America. So Izzy, what's the first one? The first one is the margay. It's a wildcat species found in Central and South America. It's nocturnal, hunts birds, lizards, and some small monkeys, as well as other animals, such as squirrels. Now, they have a body length of about 50 centimetres, and they have a shorter head, larger eyes, and a long tail. So, the Scottish wildcat, often found in Scotland. A bit larger and heavier than your average domestic cat, has a very thick tail, a blunt black tip, and dark banding. It's Britain's only wildcat species, and you'll find them in woodlands, shrublands, and there's only really about between 100 and 300 Scottish wildcats left. So, to be honest, to find one in the wild, you would be remarkable remarkably lucky now palace's cats are small and stocky they're also not very fast and they prefer to hide rather than run away from predators now because they're small and stocky they're about the same size as a domestic cat and they hunt small animals and they make the picus make up about 50 percent of their diets now the picus are a sort of rat rabbit type creature and they're found in central asia and they hide using camouflage which is very clever I've never heard of a palace's cat, but I have heard of this one. The rusty spotted cat, and it's one of the smallest cat species in the world. Only about 40 centimetres, so that's about twice the length of your... um, If you spread your hand out from your fingertip to your thumb tip, I reckon that's probably about 15 centimetres. So maybe at the most, at the most, three times that length so they are really are small and you'll only find those in places like india sri lanka and nepal and because it's small and in a very small part of the world hardly anything's known about it now let's move on to the sand cat now this is the only truly desert dwelling cat in the world found in parts of northern africa the middle east and central asia and they survive in temperatures of 40 degrees celsius in summer and down to minus 25 degrees celsius in winter and when prey is hidden underground the sand cats will dig to find it they'll do whatever it takes now these desert specialists don't need regular access to water and they get all they need from their prey a child arrived just the other day he came to the world in the usual way but there were planes to catch and bills to pay he learned to walk while i was away and he was talking for i knew it and as he grew he'd say i'm gonna be like you dad you know i'm gonna be like you and the cats in the cradle and the silver spoon little boy blue and the man in the moon Coming home, Dad, I don't know when But we'll get together then You know we'll have a good time then My son turned ten just the other day He said, thanks for the ball, Dad, come on, let's play Can you teach me to throw? I said, not today I got a lot to do, he said, that's okay And he walked away, but his smile never did accept Cats arrived on Earth when they travelled here with aliens who brought with them the technology needed to build the Egyptian pyramids. This is the claim of an independent research group funded by Global Digital Retail. Lord David Price is able to pay himself handsomely to chair this high-powered multidisciplinary panel of academics comprising Egyptologists, cosmologists, PhDs in advanced feline studies and South American horticultural exporters. The exact nature of this horticulture is confidential. The undisclosed amounts of money arrive from South America and are channeled into the panel investigating the Egyptian cats, and horticultural exporters are then paid undisclosed amounts for their role in all this by global digital retail, and Lord David pays himself £10 million for his trouble. 
Meanwhile, the other panel members work pro bono for the benefit of their academic CVs, and the world gets marvellous empirical evidence that the cats we all know and love so much, in fact, originally came from outer space. And the cats in the cradle and the silver spoon, little boy blue and the man in the moon. When you're coming home, son, I don't know when, but we'll get together then, Dad. Box 39. What's in it then? Welcome back and thank you, Adrian, for that. And then the Musicology Library. And up here with me in the studio, uh, studio, I'm joined, of course, by Isabel Lawrence, Izzy. And this is our show all about cats. So, Izzy, cats are very much embedded in our culture, in our language, and our explanations of many things. Give me some examples. So, of course, you might have heard of someone being referred to as a fat cat. Do you know what that is? Well, I think a fat cat is uh, someone who has become fat in life at the expense of others. They've been given everything they need to become not just fat in, in physical terms, I don't mean that, but they've become fat in their riches, their wealth, their lifestyle. And it's all through the work of others. They've just like, We feed our cats, don't they? Cats don't have to go hunt. So a fat cat is someone who's just done remarkably well at the expense of others. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And what about a wild cat? Well, a wild cat is used as a description often as of something that happens very unexpectedly. So like a wild cat will suddenly strike. You had no idea it was there. It will suddenly rush in. So they'll have things like wild cat strikes. One moment, everyone's happily working. And, and then suddenly as they strike, all out. And so wild cat strike suddenly happen. Now, of course, there's some really well-known ones. Let the cat out the bag. Curiosity killed the cat. Looks like something the cat dragged in. But what about a game of cat and mouse? What do you think that means? I think a game of cat and mouse is a sort of continual um, chase between the cat will chase the mouse, which will hide. And then after a while, the cat will sort of turn away and give up. And then it will see the mice again and it will start fighting it. So it's a sort of competition or something between two groups of people that is a bit of an on-off thing, on-off thing. Yeah, and then you've got put the cat among the pigeons. You know, you throw something into something and it all sort of flies off the handle. So if you threw a threw a cat into a group of pigeons, they'd all fly up. And it's kind of, you know, putting something in to sort of cause a stir. There's another one I'm going to ask you about. What about no room to swing a cat? That's a strange little phrase, isn't it? No room to swing a cat. Now, this is a weird one. Uh, I think think it might be um, something to do with swinging a cat. Um, I think we've we've spoken about this maybe before, about uh, something to do with old witch trials or something like that. They used to swing cats, but uh, we don't know. We don't know. Uh, What do you think about that one? I think they used to use a cat they believed was uh, somehow in league with the devil and in league with the witches. And if they swung it round and round, it would start to talk and admit that it was a devil. But I could be completely wrong. I do another, know another one. Cat on a hot tin roof. Do you know what that one is? I think it's, well, kind of what it, what it says. If you're a cat on a hot tin roof, you're probably sort of jumping around a little bit, walking with your, with your feet sort of staggering a little bit something like that you know imagine you're you're walking on a hot tin roof and you're going to be jumping around a bit so i imagine it's just sort of that if your behavior is a bit jumpy if you're not relaxed if there's clearly something up i think it's like a cat on a hot tin roof so not a cat in hell's chance so suggesting there is absolutely no chance whatsoever um and the last one Always a strange expression. It's raining cats and dogs, Izzy. What's that? Oh, we all know that one. It just means it's chucking it down. The meow starts off as a kitten vocalisation. It's something that kittens use in order to call their mothers over. And, and as you can see, it's very effective in doing that. The mother is very attentive to those meows. 
and then as the kitten grows up, it gradually stops meowing, presumably just because the meow stops working. The mother wants to wean the kitten and stops responding. With a pet cat, which is constantly meowing at its owner, it's a way of getting the owner's attention. And that's because we uh, are not very vigilant creatures. We spend a lot of our time with our noses buried in books or computer screens or TVs. And the cat, each cat learns independently, we think, that using this piece of kitten behavior is a good way of getting our attention. So meowing is a good way of getting us to look up and find out what it is they want from us. Now, I want to talk about something with you, Izzy, that you being Gen... Are you Gen Z? Yeah. You're a Gen Z. You know all about this because this is a very new thing. I'm completely confused about it. So I want you to explain. And this is all about catfishing. Now, I do know the big idea of catfishing. Catfishing is when you do something really deceptive to create a fictional persona, maybe create a fictional identity to con someone or target someone. So you, you pretend to be someone else. Is that catfishing? Yeah, that's right. Um, and it could be used, like you say, for different reasons. You most commonly see it with romances. So you see, you know, people thinking they're talking to someone online, but they're actually talking to a fake persona. And it could be used for financial gain or to, to compromise a victim in some way. Um, and it actually originated in 2010, this term, from an American documentary called catfish the documentary follows neve a victim of catfishing and he'd actually cultivated a friendship with what he thought was an 18 year old girl from the midwestern united states and her family and it turned out the woman who he'd been communicating with was actually a 40 year old housewife and she just wasn't who she said she was and this kind of led to a huge sort of uptake in the phrase catfish and people started talking about it and it turned out it was happening way more often than than people thought and the person catfishing uses another person's photos and life facts to make them appear real and often the person whose identity has been molded doesn't really even know their pictures and name are being used um, it might even just be their pictures and someone else's name um, or it could be their whole identity being used to create these fake relationships online and the person uses catfishing in order to appear maybe as a better version of themselves using a fake identity um, and their primary reason to appear as a fake person is to befriend someone else for relationships sexual reasons or financial gain so if the person's profile picture looks fake or too good to be true it probably is or if they have different names for different uh, different profiles or different pictures between websites it may well uh, be a fake person so make sure you always just do that extra little bit of research even if you trust them Hundreds of thousands of cats were hunted and slaughtered prior to the full onset of the Black Death in the 14th century. Cats were widely associated with vanity and witchcraft and were therefore burned as symbols of the devil, guilty of bringing the plague down upon the human population. However, the real effect of this was that there were fewer natural enemies of the rats who were carrying the plague fleas, so the deadly germs spread more rapidly. This has caused Lord David Price some strategic heartache. Is he pro-plague or anti-plague? If there is another Black Death causing over half of the world's population to perish, the workforce will shrink dramatically and wages will go sky high. The thought of this scenario literally turns Lord David's stools to vapour, if you'll pardon the expression. On the other hand, with the high number of shares he owns in AstraZeneca, Moderna, BioNTech, Pfizer and Regeneron, another Black Death has an upside according to Lord David's strategic thinking.
I'm Izzy and I'm joined by my dad Bill Lawrence here and our musicology guru Adrian Cohen who is downstairs sorting all the lovely music for you tonight. I absolutely love cats, I've had cats all my life so my first cat was Willow and then we had Vera and Jack named after the Coronation Street favourites and I currently have Dora and Lola and then I've got my sister's lovely little, well I say little, she's a very big rounded cat, lovely Charlotte. And cats are featured in myths and stories for a long, long time. Of course, you've got Puss in Boots, um, and you've got Dick Whittington and his cat. There's the Cheshire Cat in Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. Of course, you've got Crookshanks in Harry Potter, uh, the pet cat of Hermione Granger. Now, there's the cat uh, cat in Red Dwarf, the TV comedy. I've seen Red Dwarf because of you, Dad. And then you've got Sylvester in the Looney Tunes cartoons. I am that great big battle cat, Sylvester is my name. I only have one aim in life and that is very plain. I want to catch that little bird and eat him right away. But just as I get close to him, this is what he'll say. I caught a tall putty cat creeping upon me. You bet he saw a putty cat. That putty cat is me. Now, of course, you got lovable Tom from Tom and Jerry. Tom is a grey blue cat, and Jerry is the mouse. And he's usually mute, rarely heard speaking, and his only notable vocal sounds are his various screams whenever he's subjected to panic, or more frequently, pain. <laughs> I like to think they are really friends deep down uh, and of course you got Cats the Stage Musical by Sir Andrew Lloyd Webber based on the 1939 poetry collection Old Possum's Book of Practical Cats by T.S. Eliot um, it's the story of a tribe of cats called the Jellicles and the night they make the Jellicle choice by deciding which cat will ascend to the heaviside layer and come back to a new life and as of 2022 Cats remains the fifth longest running Broadway show and the seventh longest running West End show. Now I haven't seen it myself live but I definitely would like to. And finally Cats, the film. The stage musical by Lloyd Webber was churned into a film in 29 and the roll call of stars. Who was in it? Uh, Izzy, who was in it? Of course you got James Corden, Judy Dench, uh, I think Idris Elba was in it, Jennifer Hudson, Jason Derulo, uh, Taylor Swift, Ian McKernan, Rebel Wilson. It was it was a great cast, but unfortunately I don't think the uh, the critics thought it was the the best film of all time. What's new, Pussycat? Whoa, 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 whoa. What's new, Pussycat? Whoa, whoa. Pussycat, pussycat, I've got flowers and lots of hours to spend with you. So go and potter your cute little pussycat nose. Pussycat, pussycat, I love you. Yes, I do. You and your pussycat nose. What's new, pussycat? Whoa! Not all Lord David's cat-related research programs are on a huge scale. Sometimes he initiates more modest programs rooted in the community and proposed and paid for by local people. Take the What's New Pussycat project, which was proposed and funded by local letter writer and herbalist Mango Dread. Inspired by the research in the 1940s and 50s by Keith and Catherine Hayes of the Yerkes Laboratories of Primate Biology. They began working with a chimpanzee called Vicky in an attempt to get her to mimic human speech. After undergoing months of speech therapy, Vicky was not able to say anything. However, the lessons learned by Mango Dread were that the Vicky project was too ambitious and should have used more repetition. At his own expense, Mango and his cat Sensamilla 
checked into the fantastically expensive presidential suite at Hotel Price in Mayfair, London. He self-medicated heavily for his alleged glaucoma, so to speak, and then said, what's new pussycat to Sensor Miller 1,340 times in the next 72 hours to no avail. The cat never answered. Pussycat, pussycat, you're delicious And if my wishes can all come true I'll soon be kissing your sweet little pussycat lips Pussycat, pussycat, I love you Yes, I do You and your pussycat lips You and your pussycat eyes The family had to face it. She was a thief. She felt no guilt about it. Wasn't it just opportunism? If something was there to be taken, someone else didn't want it. If she did, she took it. No equivocation or compunction. Of course, she was sometimes caught and punished, but remained undeterred. Devoid of conscience or empathy, impervious to opprobrium, she had neither life goals nor morality to guide her. Yet those who knew her did not judge her harshly. That's just how she is, they'd say indulgently. What do you expect? Unapologetic, she yawned, stretched languorously, and purred. Hey, I'm Adam Partridge. Love my listeners. Hate cancer. So listen up, guys. I'm not going to muck about. You know the drill. Check your balls. Check the inside of your bum. Message over. Back to the pod. Cheers. You've been listening to Box 39 with our investigation of cats. And there's just time for a look at some texts and emails you've been sending in during the course of the show. Yes, thank you very much, Izzy. The first text tonight is from Perry Diaf from the Cherry Tree Estate in Colchester. And Perry says he's very interested to hear this show. He says it's rare that people in the media devote time to cats these days, preferring to have phone-ins where the usual roll call of unemployed, time-wasting, lefty, woke liberals are given unrestricted restricted airtime to criticise hard-working Brexiteers who are too busy building up the economy in the perfect right-wing sense, establishing a righteous brotherhood of commanders who ensure the commanded know their place and thus making a new Britain where control has been brought back to where it belongs in the fur-gloved hands of true cat lovers. Well, thank you for that, Perry. You certainly got a point of view that you are putting across most strongly. And so we'll move straight on to text uh, number two here on my list on the screen. This is from Mango Dread from Shrub End Colchester, an old friend of the show. And Mango says, all praise the big cats that see into the souls of our righteous brethren and bring the love of jar into the hearts of me passengers on my bus that I drive every day. Uh, Mangoes goes on to say, when I drive the S1 bus on a Saturday morning, there's a cat that sits on the wall by the Cherry Tree Lane care home bus stop. He looks at me and winks, says Mango, while I wait my eight-minute comfort break and have a nibble on my fat cheese sandwich that my Mrs. Peachy has made me. Uh, Mango goes on to say, I know that cat guides the ever-living souls of those who depart the care home at the start of their journey to Zion. A passenger once told me the cat's name is Jeff but I know that Jeff is his Babylon name I call him Jevon same as my own boy which is Jamaican name for young warrior well that's a great picture you're building up there Mango of Jeff or Jevon the cat at the uh, at the care home thank you very much for that uh, final text we've got tonight is from oh it's from Ron and Reggie from Brightling Sea and Reggie starts here he says Reggie says when we were growing up in the east 
East End of London, we use cats in our business activities. We bred them in an old rabbit hutches in our backyard and trained them from an early age. There were often illegal cat fighting evenings out Navestock and Ongar Way, and our cats were soon winning almost every fight they attended, so much so that we were making very little bunts from our sideline Southeast Asian betting syndicate associates. And then Reg carries on, and Reg says... So we decided, as we were moving to Brightlingsea for fresh air and a fresh start, to have one last fight. But we trained them to lie down instantly when either me or Ron said the word mum. We cleaned up, says Reg. We mugged off the entire North Weald empire of the Johnson brothers and we brought all the cats with us here to North Essex where mum made some lovely fur-lined culottes for us and for our new neighbours Diane and Saul who live over the takeaway here by Nobby's Boatyard. And, says Reg, the takeaway did a great trade in mixed meat pies that winter too. Well, thank you very much, Reg. Now, owning a cat can be extremely rewarding and it can be, you know, a great relationship to have. Cats have the ability to calm your nervous system and provide an immediate outlet for fun and play. And they're very affectionate most of the time and will love to curl up in your lap at the end of a long day. And the simplicity of this act can cause an automatic release of all the right chemicals to your brain. And any cat owner, I'm sure, will tell you just how much their furry friend helps them relax and unwind. On the other hand, cats are often fickle, aloof, unappreciative and have breath like rotting fish guts and release the most appalling wind. And there's a very quick late text from Nisha. And Nisha says she's the manager of the Cherry Tree Care Home who's been listening to our text. And she says that Perry Diaf, who texted in about his love of cats and hatred of what he calls liberal radio shows, is a long-time resident at the home and has for a long time had his own cat at the home called Jeff, who does sit on the wall outside and watch the world go by. And Nisha adds that Jeff is rather unfriendly and advises that you don't stroke him as he'll have your fingers off with his remarkably strong claws and sharp teeth and Nisha goes on to say that he can be a real problem for uh, for the other residents in the care home as he isn't very well house trained and also has a remarkably unpleasant habit of releasing a nauseous flavoured wind and she says that's Perry by the way that she's talking about not Jeff the cat well, this has been Box 39, the magazine of music, community, humour and chat, live from Studio One at Cone Radio Towers 106.6 FM. And thank you so much to Izzy Lawrence here in Studio One, Adrian Cohen way down in Studio Four, and I've been Bill Lawrence. So, from high up here in Studio One on the fourth floor of Cone Radio Towers, looking out over the full, fertile lands of North East Essex, it's time for us to close Box 39 once more be seeing you be seeing you how can I try to explain when I do he turns away again it's always been the same same old story from the moment I could talk I was ordered to listen now there's a way and I know that I have to go away I know I have to go
Keeping all the things I knew inside It's hard, but it's harder to ignore it If they were right, I'd agree But it's them they know, not me Now there's a way, and I know That I have to go away I know I have to go Mr. Akbar, Mrs. Slocum here, your next door neighbor. I wonder, um, would you do me a favor? Would you go to my front door, bend down, and look through the letterbox? And if you can see my pussy, would you drop a sardine on the map? Box 39 is a guppy production for Colne Radio and is committed to a varied, equitable and truly inclusive output that properly reflects the ethnic diversity of our community audience.